It's been a rough four years for the modern grocery consumer. First, the pandemic shifted many consumer habits, and now subsequent inflation is challenging their budgets. But how's the consumer adjusted to the current grocery scene in 2024? Alex Trott, Director of Insights with 8451, will help us break it all down on this episode of the Food Institute Podcast, coming at you right now. All right, so to start us off this week, I did want to give a little plug to Retail 360, and that's our weekly retail-focused newsletter that releases each week on Wednesdays. It's chock full of information on the grocery retail sector, and if you're interested in signing up, take a look at the description of this episode for a link directly to the sign-up sheet. So, welcome to the show, Alex. To start us off, I was hoping you could share a little bit about yourself in 8451 for our audience who may not know you just yet. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on today. My name is Alex Trott. I'm a director of Insights at 8451, owned by the Kroger Company. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about 8451 kind of before we hop in. 8451 is something a lot of people have heard of, but a lot of people haven't heard of. Um, Most certainly, most of you, most of your listeners have heard of the Kroger Company. Uh, Kroger falls under a number of different banners, including Ralph's, Fred Meyer, King Supers, Harris Teeter, etc. Um, And essentially, 8451 is a retail data science, insights, and media company. We help Kroger, consumer packaged goods companies, agencies, publishers, and other partners create more personalized and valuable experiences for shoppers across the complete path to purchase. And the way that we're allowed to enable that is 8451 leverages the 62 million households that shop at the Kroger company and family of stores, and we leverage all of that data, both transactional and household level data, to uh, come up with great insights and activate on those insights directly with our shoppers. And I was thinking a great way to start this would be taking a look at the past year, right? So what were some of the major trends you saw in 2023 that really characterized and defined, you know, this modern grocery retail consumer that we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, there are so many things that we can talk about as we think about what has happened in the grocery industry really in the last four years. The way that I kind of think of it is there was a pre-COVID time, there is a post-COVID time, uh, now there's like a new normal that's setting in. You know, the, the COVID uh, the COVID years really changed grocery as we see it today. Um, And there's a way that we have to adapt and change. So at 8451, we uh, look at these trends on a monthly basis, and we try to understand what are customers' actual behaviors and how do they feel about their shopping experiences? How do they feel about their daily lives? And how is that impacting their grocery shopping experience? And I would say, you know, last year, looking back at 2023, I'm going to state the obvious, but it most certainly was the year of inflation impacts on um, a number of different industries, but especially people were feeling it in grocery. So there was a new normal that kind of existed. um, And that was how do people respond to that? What are they looking for? And a couple of things we saw is, you know, one of one of the trends that we thought was going to maybe go away was during COVID, people really like cooked at home and were getting into recipes and needed to cook at home because they couldn't go out. It was certainly anticipated that people would return back to uh, going out to restaurants and quick serve, you know, quick serve locations to grab something to eat. But we've really seen a sustained 
trend and people wanting to cook from home and planning to cook from home more than they're eating out. Um, so again, that elevates the importance of, of the grocery industry. Um, also, you know, uh, we can get into this a bit later, but most shoppers, 56% of our shoppers, um, still report that they're extremely ex concerned about inflation. So that means a lot of choices are being made about discre discretionary categories and uh, things that people need to buy versus what they don't need to buy in the store. So there's a lot of hard decisions that have to be made at all levels. Um, and we're still seeing that uh, with, with our shoppers and we continue to um, observe that and we expect to see that throughout the rest of the year. So I definitely think that's interesting. You know, one of the things that we're starting to see here, and I don't think it's, you know, fully taken shape, but I think consumers are starting to get at least a little more comfortable or maybe just used to uh, some of these higher price points when it comes to some CPG products. But you're saying about, you know, just over half of consumers are still concerned here. So would you say this is still a top of mind concern for shoppers at this point? Do you think that thinking is starting to change for them? How do you view that at 8451 when it comes to, you know, inflation here in the CPG space? Yeah. So like I said, 56% of shoppers, that's the majority of shoppers. That's not just extreme. That's not just in the concern bucket. That's the extremely concerned bucket. So that means that it is, it's very top of mind. Um, for shoppers. Um, but I think that does, you know, really vary by category. Um, I know you said something about that. And I think, you know, there's different perceptions in different categories. There's different regularity in which people shop different categories with different awareness about prices. Um, but there's, you know, it's something that people do every week. So they're very aware of, you know, when I go in the store, I pay this for milk or I pay this for my produce. So the top categories where people are noticing price increases and talking about it is really in the fresh food area. That's dairy, that's deli, meat, fish, and that's produce. 82% of shoppers reported that they noticed an increase in price in dairy in and of itself. So these are highly sensitive categories to shoppers and uh, they're noticing it when they go in the stores and they're making decisions accordingly. Um, they, they notice it a little less in like the snacks, candy, prepackaged goods. They're feeling it less there, but they're certainly feeling it uh, of, in that area. So it's something to be aware of that this is um, so top of mind. I would say from like, that was an inflation standpoint, from a financial standpoint, financial comfort standpoint, Shoppers are largely neutral with that, um, largely neutral with the, you know, uh, how they feel about their finances. And I would say there's extremes on both ends of the spectrum of people being, you know, very concerned about their finances and um, very unconcerned about their finances. So about 63% of shoppers right now are two thirds or right in the middle with their financial comfort. Um, when we talk, when we ask those folks, though, what does make you uncomfortable? about your finances, the number one reported um, item that made them uncomfortable was grocery prices. Of all things, I think that's just fascinating to, to think about. 83% of shoppers that are uncomfortable with their finances say grocery prices are at the top of that list. Again, it's because they're so aware, it's a habit you have to go in every week and shop. And you know, people spend a lot of money at the grocery store and Kroger's very aware of that and sensitive to that. The second thing that's making people uncomfortable about their finances is inflation. So it's just, you know, really indicative to me as I interpret that, that grocery prices are at the top of mind of most people. Yeah, and there's some interesting things we could talk about there. I think, you know, I don't want to speak for all consumers, but I know with myself, when you pick up some packaged food stuff, a lot of the times it's just kind of, you know, mechanical. You go in and you know exactly what you're looking for. 
but you know when it comes to the fresher items you know you're typically sorting through some items taking a look you know like produce specifically you're taking a look for the freshness so there's more of a personal aspect there so i wonder how much that kind of plays into you know them being more aware of the inflation on that end so i think that's pretty interesting um but yeah just in general seeing you know the inflationary trends it's it's very interesting to me to see that emotional connection people have to food and how it translates into you know being concerned with the, uh, you know, the overall increasing prices. And I think you make a lot of sense when you say that, you know, it is this repeated action and it's something people have to do. But I think more than that, you know, there's also this aspect, people really enjoy it or, you know, they have that emotional connection. They're making meals for their family. All of that stuff kind of plays into it as well, which I would imagine probably heightens a little bit, um, you know, the impact and also just the awareness of those rising prices. Do you think that's something that would play into that? Oh, yeah. I think there's definitely an emotional component there. I think it is um, because it's such a something that's so habitual, you know, that's been ingrained. And I also think that COVID actually in and of itself was something that really heightened people's awareness of their grocery shopping. Um, suddenly, it was hard to find food. People had to kind of scramble. The grocery experience was disrupted all the way around. So it's really something that people have told us that it's important to them. And I, we can get into this topic a little bit later, but I think another prediction that might have happened was that, you know what, e-commerce is going to be the sole mode of people getting groceries. They'll, they'll do delivery or they'll do pickup. The brick and mortar stores will be done with those after we kind of had this hard pivot during COVID to e-commerce and online grocery shopping. But what shoppers have told us is, no, it's actually about the hybrid experience. People like to go in the grocery store. There's a social aspect. There's a habitual aspect. There's an aspect, like you said, of wanting to pick up your own produce and look at it and pick out the things, you know, the ingredients for a meal the way you like it. Um, there's something comforting about that. You know, I'll speak for myself in that as well, that there's something um, comforting about that. And as Kroger, you know, Kroger strives to make the experience in store as well as online um, as top notch as possible because we know what an important role that grocery experience plays in your life. And I think before COVID, maybe we didn't even realize that, you know, how truly important and comforting it is to walk into your favorite store and know where you're going to pick up your favorite items and they're going to be in stock and you're going to be able to have a nice experience, uh, you know, through and through. So again, I think the point of that is actually we want to meet customers where they want to be met. And we can talk about omni-channel more, but it's really about being available in all modes and all ways to people at any time. Yeah, and I think we'll jump in a little bit on the e-commerce and omni-channel a little bit later on, but I do want to kind of talk a bit about, you know, this post-COVID environment, you know, and from where we're sitting right now, it seems very unlikely that we're going to have shutdowns related to COVID again. So I think it's pretty fair to say that it's in the rear view. But one of the things I'm wondering is, are consumers still concerned with health the same way they were a few years ago? Or has that kind of reverted at this point? And when you take a look at your data and some of the surveys you've done, what are you seeing when consumers are talking about health? Is it still, you know, looking for immune boosting food products? Is it looking for, you know, other types of products that can help their health? Or is it kind of reverted to that pre-pandemic norm where it was more about, you know, nutrition specifically? So I'm just wondering, you know, those are some prompts right there, but I'm wondering just from your own perspective, what are you seeing on that front? Yeah, I would say we've all, we all lived through actually month by month during COVID and post, let's say post COVID a little bit in those years of every month was sort of a different perception on how, 
concerned people were about COVID and a correlation between how willing they were to go in and grocery shop. And then you see these kind of pickup and delivery sales spike. And then you see in-store sales spike. And then you see out-of-stock happen. It was really a wild time, actually quite fascinating to be working at a data company for a grocery store during uh, in a pandemic of which uh, nobody really understood or knew how to navigate. Um, and so we've tracked health concern every single month since COVID to understand how our shoppers are feeling. And we are at an all-time high of customers feeling neutral about their, con- their health concerns overall. And when I say that, I mean like contagious diseases. Um, so 60% of shoppers right now are reporting they're neutral about it. They're okay. Um, they're not feeling one way or another about it. But you still have the extremes, kind of like financial comfort. You have the same patterns mimicked on health concern. You still have about 20% of people on either end that are not concerned at all or they're extremely concerned. Um, so there's still that varying level of comfort within um, our stores about, about health. Now, one other, I thought, interesting note is in our January Consumer Digest in 2024, um, we surveyed shoppers as we, as we do every month. And the number one kind of New Year's resolution people put forward is around physical health. And physical health actually trumped personal finances as being a New Year's resolution. So physical health, 79% of people reported that as top of their list for New Year's resolution, followed by 53% of people put um, personal finances behind that. So I thought that, again, it's interesting that you're seeing that that physical health really uh, come through is like not so much worried about avoiding contagious diseases, but an overall wellness um, point of view. And I think Kroger's perspective is that the future of how we handle a lot of um, just taking care of our customers is food as medicine. That's that's a concept, food as medicine. There's so much like wellness and healing that can be done, Um, you know, obviously consulting with the right professionals, but it has to do with the food you consume and the products you use. So Kroger wants to be the destination where you can find all of the products you need to remain and stay healthy. The three things that our consumers across generations between the ages of 18 and 74, the three things that people cited as their top health concerns are heart health, weight, and managing cholesterol. There's obviously variances between generations on other things, but those are the three that were consistent across. So I think Kroger is going to continue to make this transition into supporting all different types of people's wellness journeys. We obviously also have, a, you know, a set of little clinics and pharmacies within our stores. So Kroger has the tools to kind of bring that together. And the data is certainly telling us that people are um, not as acutely aware of respiratory diseases, you know, preventing them from going to the store, but they're taking a, a bigger picture approach to health. So yeah, it's kind of interesting to see how much the pandemic has really impacted how consumers view things. You know, it seems like for years we'll be talking about that inflection point and how it did change consumers. But you know, taking a look at the health part, not really that surprising that consumers are still concerned with health. And then as far as prices go, you know, taking a look at that, one of the things that a lot of consumers are turning towards are coupons. So I'm wondering from the 8451 perspective, what's the current customer experience when it comes to coupons? And maybe more importantly, what are they looking for when they use them? That's a really good question. I I would say that um, we have noticed the importance of sales, deals, and coupons as paramount to shoppers because that is a way to control 
sort of the price paid in store and gather discounts on things that are really important to you, um, that has just become more and more important. And I think the fascinating thing about that working at 8451 for me personally is that Kroger has uh, within 8451 a, a loyalty marketing division and a Kroger Precision Marketing Division. So that's sort of how do you re reward loyal customers for the, the things that they buy and maybe you know give them some rewards uh, through financial rewards or free product coupons um, to kind of keep them coming back. Um, and then we have got the Kroger Precision Marketing Arm, which is you know our online um, advertising arm where we can talk to shoppers about what's available in stores. And the reason this is so important is because both provide value to shoppers. And what we, as Kroger, we really stand on is providing a good, like, balanced value for shoppers. And all of these vehicles provide value. Um, and the way that we're able to do that is we use all of the data that we have, and it's personalized. So if you get our loyalty mailers, either online or in your mailbox, that is personalized to you. And that's for the items that mean something to you. We're not just send, sending out mass coupons. We're using the data to help understand what means something to you as a shopper and how can we help you get the things you like and, you know, lighten the load on, on your checkbook. Um, so we really seen and valued the importance of that and it's increased and all of our CPG partners work with us on those things um, and help provide those offerings. And that has just like become such a big deal that we're able to do that and, and increase our efforts there to uh, help not only reward our shoppers, but take a little bit of the pressure off of them. So as promised before, I said we would talk a little bit about the, you know, e-commerce, in-store, and omni-channel experience. And I think it's a good segue with, you know, the coupons considering, you know, that shift over the last couple of years from the printed to the digital versions there. But I'm wondering just, you know, what are some of the major reasons you're seeing shoppers are sticking with in-store grocery shopping? We talked about this a little bit earlier that, you know, the industry was like, you know, it's going to be entirely e-commerce, but I would say the last couple of years we've learned that no, it is kind of that hybrid spot. So why are consumers staying with the in-store experience? What kind of attributes are they looking for when they do that? That's a great question and a question that I ask myself because as a, I would say I define myself as a hybrid shopper. So sometimes I'm like, you know what, I don't have time. I'm going to put in a delivery order and it's going to, you know, show up at my door tomorrow morning. But sometimes, like yesterday, I was like, you know, I want to go in the store myself. And I can relate to some of these reasons that we have. But the number one reason shoppers choose in-store as their modality, if you will, their mode of shopping, is because they don't trust someone picking out their products. 50% of shoppers said that. They don't trust someone picking out the ingredients they need. That obviously skews a little bit more toward that those fresh items. Um, but there's also the risk when you shop online that the substitution is going to be have to be made if something's out of stock. Um, you can approve them, these substitutions. There's all that good science built in to recommend the best, you know, options. But something can't replace you going in the store yourself and, and kind of picking out what you need. Um, the second people, which I think is a really uh, an interesting one, um, that people shop in store is convenience. Uh, and I think you could argue convenience could go either way for shopping in store or online, but those people that like to go in store, it actually, they view it as more convenient for them. Um, so I just think those reasons um, are interesting. And then the third reason here is to save money. 
uh, again, I, I can make a counterpoint to you and I will on why I think convenience and saving money could go uh, give, give you know, some, some reasons to shop online. But the people that shop in store, I think, view that they have a little bit more control, let's say, the whole experience in general, end to end. So as a person that enjoys shopping in store himself, I can understand why people feel like, you know, they want to have control of their own destiny when it comes to their groceries. But kind of interesting. I wouldn't necessarily classify it as more convenient when you think about delivery or pickup options, right? So it'd be interesting to maybe dive into that a little bit. And ask those shoppers, yeah. And and, and above that, you know, when looking at uh, asking some of these shoppers who answered these questions and shop in store, 39% of shoppers we talked to uh, do not plan on making uh, changes to their shopping and will not shop online. So there still is a large holdout group that's not even, quote, hybrid. These are folks that are like, I go to the store every week and that's what I do and I control that experience. Again, kind of circling back to the comment I made earlier, there's some comfort in human nature with this habitual uh, you know, habitual thing people do and that's God and you know, gather their food and, and bring it home to their family. So I think there's just... Um, something so fascinating about that, and Kroger's really well set up for success, not only um, in the brick and mortar space, but they've developed their online channels as well. So I think the moral of, of that comment that, uh, that I just made is that Kroger's wish and um, what they're doing is meeting shoppers wherever they want to be met, however they want to be met. I think we can talk about the other side here too. What are some of the major reasons consumers are going for the online, you know, shopping experience, whether that be pickup, delivery, you know, same day delivery. I know there's a slew of things we'll be talking about when we have this under that umbrella, but you know, why are people picking the e-commerce side of the omni-channel formula when they decide to do that? Yeah, as I said, I was going to argue the the opposite uh, opposite thing here, and the number one shocker, the number one reason people shop online, both pickup and delivery, is for convenience. Um, two-thirds of shoppers reported that that's why they shop online. That's certainly why I shop online. If you're running short on time, as we all do, that can be, you know, the, the, the easiest option. But right after that, you know, the second reason is that it's easy to use the website and the app for shopping. I like to type in what I want to find, and I can kind of go through and select, and you can look at it. I think the average order time um, people spend online is like around 30 to sometimes 35 minutes. So you can really like peruse what you're looking for, find it and put it in your basket. Um, but then related, the next two reasons I actually think are really fascinating is um, people can reduce their impulse purchases when they're shopping online and you can control the price and affordability. So I think that's interesting um, when I conceptualize that myself, because if you're shopping online and sitting at your computer and adding things to your list, you really can focus on the task at hand and you aren't being distracted by display over here, the end cap over here, or the register with the, the gum candy and mints. You are only focused on uh, what's ahead of you. Now, that's changing with, you know, online advertising and um, different ways the online the online experience is conceptualized, but largely you can have some like pretty good control, um, and then you can also total up the amount you're paying in your basket at the end of the order. So you know to the dollar what you're going to spend, and you can go back and you can like remove something, you can add another one of these, you can make sure all of your digital coupons are loaded with the items that you're corresponding to 
the purchasing. So you have a little bit more control over the price and affordability when you're creating that online order. And if you are, in fact, you know, pressed and need to stay on a budget, you can like be pretty accurate about that. Um, so those are the reasons that people cite, you know, this online pickup and delivery. But um, 15% of, of shoppers that shop in store say they're going to shop online more. So I think we're just going to continue to see a blending of in-store and online shopping based on occasions or your family's needs at that time or the amount of time you have and what you view as convenient. And that is different for everybody. You know, that tracks for me. Um, I do spend a lot of time putting together the shopping list on the website and then I go and pick it up myself and kind of do that shopping. So it's a little bit of the uh, hunter-gatherer mindset, I guess, and also kind of getting involved with some impulse purchases because that is also, you know, a part of it. You know, you don't realize you need something, but very, very interesting. And maybe I'm more of a hybrid shopper than I originally thought. Um, So that's definitely an interesting thing to kind of think about. Um, one thing I did want to talk about too, though, is just grocery delivery and doing my due diligence for this episode. One of the things that 8451 shared with me was an infographic that showed that 52% of consumers want free grocery delivery in the future. That doesn't, you know, if anything, it surprises me that more consumers don't want that. You know, I would expect almost hundred percent of consumers would say they want that, but I'm just wondering, do you think that's an achievable goal for grocery in the future? Is this something that you think is going to end up becoming table stakes? How do you view this? Because, you know, to me, that majority, you know, wanting free grocery delivery, it kind of ties into this omni-channel approach. So I'm just wondering, you know, what do you think is achievable as far as this goes? Because there are additional costs, right? It's not like a free tack on for the stores. So how do you see that playing out in the years to come? Well, I think that's a really um, interesting question. And there's a few things to unpack. First of all, I would say um, online shopping in general, we as consumers have gotten used to free shipping. And if I don't get free shipping, even if it's like, an order for, you know, cosmetics order or something, maybe I'm not going to buy it, but I'll spend $5 more to make sure I get the free shipping. So that math doesn't even work out, but it's some incentive that motivates me personally as a shopper. And we saw that outside of the grocery industry before COVID. Then when COVID hit, everybody in the grocery industry accelerated their omnichannel presence. I do think during the pandemic and the beginning of the pandemic, grocery retailers absolutely ramped up their omnichannel presence. They got their store operations in order to be able to fulfill pickup orders. Then they got warehouses stood up or whatever that looks like for grocery retailers to get delivery fulfilled. Um, and with that came a lot of you know incentive for customers to do that. And we saw grocery retail kind of moved more toward that, you know, free delivery um, or pickup if you hit a certain threshold. I do think that's where the industry is going to continue to head in the future. But as you noted, that comes with significant cost operationally to retailers. The way that Kroger is solving for this is a program called the Kroger Boost Program. It is a membership program. I myself am a member. Now, there's two options. There's $59 option for, you know, next free next day delivery for you pay, you know, the fee and then it's an annual subscription. Or there's a $99 option, which is getting your uh, groceries delivered same day for free. Um, and to me, that is a high value because I have the same day option and I certainly place a delivery order more than 10 times a year. So that value comes back to me. 
Also, when you're a Boost member, you get personalized offers and deals that are only available to Boost members. So you get additional value. So when I did the math, you know, it's, it's adding quite a bit of value to me, not the other way. So I actually envision, you know, the Kroger Boost program becoming bigger and more involved and more rewards and benefits. And then, you know, there's a, a, a good value exchange that happens there. Um, and that, to me, has meant so much as a shopper. And I felt like it's been very worth um, uh, worth it for me. So that's kind of Kroger's answer to that. And it's been working. Um, but we'll see how this continues to evolve over time. I don't think anybody 10 years ago would have predicted all of the things that happened uh, to, to date in the grocery industry. It's rapidly accelerating. And I think one of the things that's rapidly helping this industry accelerate is the emergence and uh, democratization of data. That's why I'm so passionate about what I do and getting the data in the hands of all of our supplier partners and beyond. Because when we share that data, they can also make more valuable decisions um, for Kroger and um, you know internally within their organizations. And it's all of those insights that I actually think will accelerate this faster to get customers what they need, when they need it, how they need it, and whatever they want that to look like. So I can't emphasize enough how important it is for all, all of us to take a critical look at this data and how it changes uh, over time so we can then put those programs in place in store and online that will resonate with our shoppers. So Alex, unfortunately, we're running out of time here on our conversation, but there is one last topic I'd like to talk about, and that's just any kind of trend that you see coming in 2024 that might help define the you know, that modern retail grocery consumer that we haven't already talked about today. So is there anything you could share that you think might be impactful for the rest of the year? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I think as we have all learned, each year provides a new set of challenges and experiences for us as a society um, that we haven't expected before. And that certainly translates to the grocery industry. But what I I'm tracking to and what we see at 8451 is actually this dichotomy of trends. There's two things happening at once. First of all, there is a there is a feeling that there are things out of our control, not only as consumers, but just as people uh, in 2024. And that's been reflected in our research. 47% of people believe um, that the current global wars and conflicts won't end. They're not optimistic about that. And they're not optimistic about the direction of our society or our country. 25% um, of shoppers are also not optimistic about their personal finances. So I think there's always, there's gonna be that looming overhang of factors that aren't in our control. There's gonna be financial pressure. There's pressure from SNAP benefits being reduced. There's pressure from student loan repayment um, being, you know, taken off the table. And there's inflation that continues to be there in the grocery industry, even above uh, higher rates than other industries. But on the flip side of this coin, I what we see in the data is that there is a sense of optimism about people taking control of their own lives. We have had years of uncertainty and people I think are in a place where they wanna take control. Obviously one of those ways they can take control is, is going to the grocery store every week. And the three areas that people report wanting that they're feeling optimistic about is their personal health, their job, 
and profession and their personal relationship. And Kroger can certainly support that personal health aspect. And I think we are going to see more trends emerge in the personal health space in 2024 that we want to track. Uh, And Kroger believes that they can play an integral role in helping people support a more uh, healthier, more complete, uh, happy lifestyle with the choices they make. And they want to provide those resources to Uh, our shoppers to help them get there. If those are things they can control and can make them a happier, healthier person, Kroger is in full support of that. And that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And that is the classic um, that I've learned working with Kroger, the classic problem we're always trying to solve is how do we mean something to everybody? And that's a diverse set of people. That's, you, you know, unique people across the board. No two shoppers are alike. So I'm sure that's where we're going to see this going is how do we track these two, uh, these two positive and positives and negative trends all at once. But what we know is uh, Kroger is flexible. Kroger has been resilient, but so have our shoppers. Um, and the last note I'll say is that this really emphasizes and underscores the importance of understanding data. Um, it's been very fascinating and fun to work with our CPGs that we work with and partners in this data industry because we're able to track this all the time, but we want to get as close as possible to this data so we can help make better decisions for our shoppers. Uh, and that's what we strive to do every day. And my last question is if the people want to learn a little bit more about 8451, where should they go? Yeah, you can go to our website, 8451.com, but I certainly encourage you to go to our, connect with us on LinkedIn, follow us on LinkedIn, because we post our thought leadership online on LinkedIn. We post some great articles and some great pieces, so I encourage you to to hop over there and give us a look. Excellent. And anyone listening, take a look at the description of this episode. We'll have links directly to both the website and their LinkedIn, so you can follow very easily. Uh, Alex, I just want to thank you for spending some time with us on the Food Institute podcast today. I learned a lot. I'm sure our audience will, and I hope I get to talk to you again. Awesome. Thanks so much. So that's going to do it for us this week on the Food Institute podcast. Once again, check the description of this episode for links directly to all the things we talked about in today's recording. We'll catch you next time. This is Chris Campbell signing off. 